Welcome to the Wake Up and Live show. I am so excited today. We are the very on the very first day of this very special series. So I'm going to ask you guys to take a moment right now and to jump on to your Facebook if, as you're watching and to start a watch party because we want to make sure that everybody has a chance to see, to experience, and to be part of this show. Because after all, today is, is uh, the times in, in life right now. It's really, I would say, something to talk about at the very least. And that's what we're going to do exactly today. So I want to welcome you guys if it's your very first time. Please take one minute here to click that share button, start a watch party, and let's really get this thing going. So I'm going to go ahead and do the same. I hope you're having a fantastic Monday. Uh, it is Monday, so we all have, um, even though we're not physically at a job, perhaps, it is still, we still always carry that Monday feeling. So let's see how we can change that and dig into some deeper insights of some things that that really, really matter and some of the such relevant topics today. Guys, I am so excited, by the way, as we're getting some fun. I am so excited for the guests that we have today. Um, we're going to have a really, really, really great conversation. So as we are waiting for everyone to jump on and to start a watch party, I want to just share some very special announcements. Now, previously, if you've watched the Wake Up and Live show, we've had we had two seasons already, as well as uh, two series that we did during COVID-19, even though we're still in COVID-19. The first one was uh, the Wake Up and Live show special, which was Faith versus Fear. And the second show was The New Normal. So definitely go to the YouTube channel to check it out. You'll be able to see that. And I'm very excited for that. And hello, hello, if you're just tuning in, I'm very excited to present the show to you. We're going to get started soon. Today's the very first day of the series, The Power of Perspective. So I wanted to let you guys know something that we have that's actually happening today, later on this evening, and it's a mind transformation session. I will introduce myself and you'll be able to find out more about what I do, but I wanted to share this mind transformation session. If you hear things in the show today that really shift you, if you hear things that you say, wow, I really need to overcome that, or wow, I really need to understand more about what, my, what, is, what matters to me in life. If you ever say that you wanted to understand more, then please, definitely, if you want to overcome obstacles, overcome pain, anxiety, fear, all these emotions that we're feeling in society, I encourage you today to go to the website, ChantelSimone.com, and you can register for the Mind Transformation Session. Awesome stuff. And the last announcement before we officially get started, I wanted to let you guys know that this series started because of you. Your voice matters. So if you would like to be a guest on the show, just visit, you'll see all the, the posts on Facebook. Um, you can go to the page at the Wake Up and Live Show. Make sure it's the Wake Up and Live Show on Facebook. You'll see the Calendly link. Schedule the time, be a guest, share your voice, and we would love to have you. We'll be here every weekday from 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and that will also be 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So without further ado, I'm very excited to introduce the show to you. So here we go. Let's go. Let's get started. Welcome to the Wake Up and Live show. My name is Chantelle Simone and I'm a mindologist. And this is a very special series of the Wake Up and Live show called The Power of Perspective. 
Today we are in, we have invited guests from all over the nation, from all over the, the world to be able to join us to share their empowering perspective with all, given all the things that is happening in the coronavirus, as well as the times of Black Lives Matters, as well as the time is reintegrating back into the society. So there is a lot to talk about, there's a lot to say, and this platform started for people to be able to share their voice. People are out on the street protesting. There's people that are still in their home wearing masks or, or being, you know, concerned about the health. And oftentimes, you know, a lot of people suffer in silence. So we're going to do something about that today with this show and with this series. So we are going to be here every weekday from 4 p.m. here live on Facebook and we'll be streaming to as many platforms as we can to be able to bring you other people's voices so you too can have a perspective. So today I would like to introduce my very special guest. I am so excited. First of all, I'm going to bring out one of my co-hosts. Now I've been working with this gentleman for the past while now, and it has been such a privilege and an honor because we always stay aligned. We put God first and we always have the bigger picture at hand. Now his background is incredible. And so please help me welcome one of my co-hosts for this series, Mr. Lester Bailey to the show. Lester, how are you? I am fantastic. Thank you for bringing me on. You know, this is going to be a great series. I'm loving it. I appreciate everything that you're doing and for the world. Keep up the great work, Ms. Chantel Simone. I appreciate you always and thank you so much. So Lester, why don't you just share, um, you know, three key bullet points about who you are and where what you stand for. Well, the, the biggest point that I've always lived, I am, you know, formerly from Chicago. Now I live here in Phoenix, Arizona. So I've, I've moved along the lines. I'm a retired Chicago police officer, retired for 30 years. And currently I am a speaker and a coach. So and also I'm working with Miss Chantel Simone and with the Wake Up and Live show. So I just wanted to be able to say that. And I stand for purpose, you know, living your life on purpose. That's that's my biggest thing, you know, have some fun in life. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much. And it's been an honor and a privilege. And I can't wait for what else we have in store, the things that we've been putting together, and for all of you to be able to experience so we can experience this together, truly to overcome and live the life that we know that we could be. So I'd like to introduce our next guest. Now, our next guest is a retired police officer and quite accomplished in a lot of different modalities. So I would love to be able to introduce him to you because he has such a power, empowering perspective and one that we may not have privy to this type of information. There's things that are behind the scenes that we may not know about that today he is open and willing to share. So please help me welcome to the show, Mr. Joseph Mosley. Joseph, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm honored to be here. Awesome, awesome. Well, my pleasure. Now, Joseph, can you also share um, three key bullet points about who you are and what you stand for? I'm a father. I'm a retired uh, homicide detective, and I'm a registered voter. Huh. Which is important, and we're going to go into the importance of that today too. I love that. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm excited to hear a little bit more about the background, your background, and to share your perspective with the audience watching. So, my next guest today, I would like to introduce Miss Sophia Bailey. I'm very excited to have her because I've known her for a while now, and she always is able to find an empowering perspective no matter what is going on in the in the world. So please help me welcome Miss Sophia Bailey to the show. Sophia, welcome to the show, great to have you. Hi everyone, welcome, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here with amongst such established and esteemed guests. Uh, yeah, it's just great to be here, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. And Sophia, can you share three key things, three points about who you are and what you stand for? Okay, so I am your happiness stylist. And um, I am overall creative. I'm a creative being. 
And what's the third thing I could share? Hmm. The third thing I could share is always having a happy disposition always brings forth what you're looking for. Very true. Very true. Okay. Awesome. I love it. Now, before we get started, I do want to introduce one more person who's behind the scenes. So this, this gentleman, he is a student. He just graduated. And I just wanted you guys to see he will be navigating things for us. And I wanted to just highlight him before we start the show. I wanted to introduce you to Mr. Matthew Alford, who is now our controller for Yardstream. So Matthew, we just wanted to, to show you on screen and say thank you so much for working behind the scenes with us. Oh, you guys are very welcome. So what are you know, the three key things, Matthew, that you stand for? Wait, what? Oh, why uh, don't you also stand for three key things? Oh, I stand for the fact of uh, enjoying uh, uh, to see another day, and I enjoy uh, working with you guys and becoming a journalist for the future. Well, amen to that. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate you all that you do. I just wanted to bring you on screen and introduce you to everyone as well as you are working behind the scenes. So thank you, Matthew, for being here today. Uh, you guys are very welcome as well. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so let's get right into it today. So today is all about the power of perspective. Now, there are some hot topics that are happening today. And as I mentioned earlier on, today in, in, in this, this, this series in, as a whole, we're going to be having raw, real conversations. We're going to be talking about the truth. We're going to be talking about everything that matters. And we're going to be hearing from people's opinions. So I say today for all of my guests, share your perspective and receive a perspective because perspectives have the power to shift your mind. And as you guys know for me, myself, I'm a mindologist. I have been studying the field for over a decade, and I am all about helping people overcome their obstacles so that they can live on purpose. And in this time, boy, do we have some obstacles. <laughs> and so we're here to talk about that today. So why don't we get right into it now? Each of our guests here today have a very powerful history, as we all do. And I want to be able to give them each a voice and a platform to share their history and what they've done. Now we know who they are, what they stand for. Let's talk about what they have experienced in their life. And I want each of you to tell me what's your perspective. And we're going to start with the most, uh, I would say, the most uh, pressing topic that has people on the streets right now, that have people picketing no matter what race, color, or religion you are. It's actually bringing a lot of people together for a cause. So let's start with Mr. Bailey. Can you just share a little bit about your background and what's your stance on what's happening right now in the streets in the world of Black Lives Matter and the community? Yeah, I love working with the Chicago Police Department. I was a police officer for 30 years and I had a, a great time at that job and I got an opportunity to be on both sides of the coin, actually kind of a three-sided coin. First of all, of course, being black. Second of all, as being a policeman and then a black policeman. So it sounds like it's three different people, but they're all one and the same. So I'm looking at what's going on in the street, and a lot of people don't understand the purpose of having policemen actually out there. Because they look at this one situation or several situations like this that has happened over and over again, but they fail to see the rest of the police officers who work the job without incident. The ones that are really working hard, the ones that are very diligent in what they want to do on the streets, but when they're marred by a bad incident and a really bad incident at this point in time, they look like they're not doing a great job. And everybody likes to look at that one particular police officer and devalue his value because of fruits of someone else's labor. And for the most part, policemen are very strong and they're willing to give literally the shirt off of their back to help people. But right now they're looking at a murder that was put in front of them and they're upset because this seems to be happening over and over again with no consequences. And I can see the problem that people are having, but it is nice to let you all know that those incidents don't happen every day. It's just that when it does, you know, take a bigger look at the picture and not just at the one situation. 
So you're saying that being a retired police officer, that yes, the, the let's call it, let's call them bad police just for a, a lack of better words. So the ones that are out there doing things like, like what just happened with um, George Floyd. So you're saying that that doesn't happen every day. So you're asking, you're saying don't have that perspective that that's what the entire police force is like. Is that what you mean? Yes, because a lot of people, again, you see policemen that stand out there standing on the streets that you know they are helping a lot of people, a lot of victims of crimes and in mm -hmm. day in and day out they leave their houses you know and they go to work they stand on the corners they break up fights they do a lot of different things you know you know catch the robbers or you know, the bad guys as i may call them and they do so much to help the neighborhood and and getting the word out but when you look at the one particular police officer that makes the whole bunch horrible People tend to wonder what are the police actually doing. You know, it's easy to stand in the White House and state policemen are doing their job, but yet every day they're doing their job. They're going up and down streets. They're doing things that's not comfortable to them. But they're coming out smelling like a rose, except for when a situation like this, where officers don't do what they're supposed to do. They're not living up to the title in which they have. Go ahead. Yes, yes. So let's 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 have uh, Mr. Mosley chime in here as well, because you also have a perspective in working in the police department. And you know what? Everything is about optics. So it really depends how much do, do, does the, 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 the people in the society, how much do they see? Do we see more of the bad things that police are doing? Or do we see more of the positive things that our police are doing? And that's what's going to shape our perspective as a people. So, Mr. Mosley, what is your take on the perspective that people have towards police now with your experience? And please do share a little bit about your background with the police. Well, the question would take more time than my background. So let me get to the question first. Uh, the reality is that in these United States, policing came from slave hunting. So let's, you know, let's start it off where it is. When that morphed into this new thing that we call modern policing, we still had those institutions that promulgated certain ideas and certain uh, modalities. That being said, if you look at everything from the civil rights movement up until today's movements, you see where police entities have been involved in horrendous acts. So what happens is you have a culture of us who are looking around and say, wait a minute, this is just not infrequent, it's just too frequent. Even if it's 50 years, uh, the, the three civil rights workers were murdered in the 50s, 60s. But the fact that you still have Aubrey being murdered for running down the road, you've got Chauvin killing a guy on uh, Floyd on film, it ignites the, the fire and the passion. But you have to understand this also. There's a difference between rioting, looting, and protesting. Mm -hmm. Can the three be inclusive of each other and mutually exclusive of each other and i think they can all these things are not happenstance that's the other problem if you look at in lester and i've talked and i hope you'll take a look at it also across this country look at the destruction in the black communities they have taken out what we considered lifelines they've taken out the food sources they've taken out the medicine sources but nowhere else so you have to wonder, is this a coordinated effort? Is this an attack of sorts? And I would suggest to you that what you see is not necessarily what's the truth, if that makes sense at all. Um, yeah, and you have a really empowering perspective. Can you just share your, your experience with the police department and what you've done with them? I've, I'm a former detective, um, patrolman. Uh, I've worked everything from single, double, triple, quadruple homicide. I worked this thing called Brown's Chicken. Uh, I was a commander for Chicago Housing Authority Police Department. I've co-authored a few grants and co-authored a couple of uh, publications. Uh, I've been involved in a couple of shootings that Lester knows about. Uh, I was a survivor of a shooting. Uh, I've taken a bomb out of a kid's car and I took that kid home to raise him with me. He's now, he died of an asthma attack, if you can believe that. But uh, so I've been around some things, um, but more importantly, I'm still a father. And as Lester said, and here's where, here's where I would suggest that all your listeners take a look at. Black officers in this country have to be black and blue. 
we talk about this thin blue line and all that. When we first come into this job, everyone talks about blue, 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 blue. But let some stuff happen. You'll find out who your friends are. Trust me. Hmm. Well, what do, you, what do you mean by that? Let's deep dive into that because some of us may not catch on to this that you're saying. Well, think about this. How many times have you seen black officers uh, execute, kill in the line of duty? You take that and juxtapose, juxtapose uh, the numerous killings of African-American by white officers. So you have to take these and do a deeper dive. Why is this happening? Is there a culture? But let me suggest this to you. If you read Art of War and some other books that I refer to, the Art of War has been referenced by not only Patton, Erwin uh, Rommel, most of your generals have to read it in their war colleges. But he talks about a certain mindset and how to deal with so-called enemies. I guess the real thing is we have to decide, are we going to be a society of people or a disconnected society of individuals? So either you're going to be a community or you're going to be a neighborhood. You can't be both. Does that make okay, sense? Okay, let's catch that because that's a good perspective right there. And I just want to read. So are we going to be a society? Say that one more time so people can really catch that. Are we going to be a society or neighborhood? Are we going to be a collective? And so how would you define the difference? Oh, easily. One is more uh, self-centered and one is community oriented. Um, I had uh, one of my friends said, you guys live in uh, 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 community. We live in neighborhoods. Uh, Think about it. Uh, For most of us, when we grew up, we knew everybody on the block. That is not happening to this day. Yeah. There was true. a time, if you said something wrong to your teacher, and I'm showing my age at this point, if you said something wrong to your teacher, you got a note pinned to your shirt. Now, let me tell you what happened when that shirt went home. You had to go <laughs> past your neighbor, who if they saw you, they got you. If you got home and that hole was in your shirt without the pin or the note, you got another beating by your sisters and brothers. If you were lucky, your mother would get you. And you doggone sure want to be asleep by the time your father got home. Now tell me why I'm wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It all goes back to the village to raise a child, right? If you think about it, listen, all of us are saying the same thing. So all of us can't be wrong. So you grew up in one part of the world. Lester and I grew up in Chicago. Miss Sophia is somewhere else. But we all have the same music. We're singing the same song. So there is what? Right. I love it. You know what? It's a perfect segue. I wanted to get Ms. Safaya to chime in a little bit here on that notion of building community versus a society and um, and the perception that we may have about or and or with the police. So, Safaya, what is your perspective on the building a community and or building a society in today's times? So... <laughs> It's, it's, it's a very interesting, as we could say, it's a very interesting topic. <laughs> and, and being able to have a dialogue about it, it, it's, it, it does take a lot. I think that especially when you're dealing with people of African descent to kind of work through how passionate you're gonna get about this conversation. So I wanna put mm-hmm. that out there first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we look at building communities as opposed to society. Society is dealing with a set of rules that that are based on uh, conforming. We are here to control the masses. Community is based on family values, which is what Mr. Mosley was talking about. When you're building a community, then everybody basically shares um, a foundational set of rules that helps to grow the village. And that's the reason why the community can come together. When we look at how the police fit into that, I think that because of the root of how the police came to be from slavery, which is a very interesting point that has never been talked about, then you get to understand the institutionalized systemic racism 
that gets embedded and then why is it that these different types of things plays out in society that affects our community? Hmm. Very powerful, very powerful. And you know what, you all touched upon something that um, I've had a recent conversation with some wonderful women when we start to talk about the history of policing. Where did it come from? What's the point anyway? And sometimes in life we have to actually, whether we're working in our business or we're working in a relationship or we're working with a new friendship, what have you, sometimes taking a step back and be like, wait a minute, what's the original intention for this thing to exist in my life? And so I would love to hear each of your perspectives on What's, what do you believe or where does the, 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 the idea of policing come from? And in your perspective, where has it gone wrong or has it? So who would like to take that? That's okay. That's, a, that's an easy question for me. Uh, All right, Mr. I'm a, well, I'm a collegiate professor also. Uh, if we look at the roots of policing, you know, Sir Robert Peel, Peelian, Peelian uh, ideology comes from an idea that there is a segment of society that needs help, blah, 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 blah. Where it went wrong was when 1619, when we came here in 1619, they didn't value us as what Robert Peel wanted to protect, if that makes sense. It's kind of like if you go from 1619 to when the first 10 amendments were written, what, 1790-something, which was 100 and something years later. Well, we still weren't considered people. We were considered property. I have to talk to people all the time about this thing called the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment was written in 1791, and it was designed to keep weapons and the arms in the hands of property owners. Guess what we were? Property. So the Second Amendment at the time really didn't apply to us. It didn't apply to us until what happened in 65. The most seminal piece of legislation in our lifetimes was the Civil Rights Voting Act. And I'll go from there, but I'll... I, I digress at this point. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, as you can tell, uh, Mr. Mosley is very passionate, has a lot of knowledge about the history because history is a very important aspect to where we're going, who we are now, what's going on in the world. So I know I do appreciate the passion and the information. Um, so let's have either Sophia or Lester take that as well. What do either of you, you any one of you can jump in. What do you think the origin, the original intention of policing um, where do you think that came from, and has it been derailed since? The origin basically came truly out of slavery, and it was to control us and then control the masses from doing more damage to us as slave owners. And that's when they started looking at how they were chasing us, how they were bringing us back. It was actually to control Black people from that time. That's how the original it, it actually originally started out. And until we stopped being the property, it became into a second area because now we had rights that were never there before. So they had to see how how would our rights be violated? Mm-hmm. And should they give us rights? That's always been the question. According to the Constitution, it took years for us not to be three quarters of a person. Mm-hmm. I love when they say that we were... We were three quarters of a person born into a country just as they were, but we were not born to be a particular thing. We were born to be an item. That's why they classified us as different type of people as we've gone on in life. So when the police came around and they said, okay, you're going to live by these Jim Crow laws, we had to sit there and fight against the law that they had because the law was not for people. It was for, excuse me, it was not for three quarters of people. It was for the full person. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a I've never seen a three quarter of a person in my lifetime. Right, exactly. They were born with everything. So what is it? But it was so much easier for people not to look at us as actual people. And this is the problem that we're having in today's life. We're still not looked at whole people that we don't have the rights. We violated just by showing up on the streets. Yes. And when right. when you're having people who don't want to look at you because of they're rearing in life, and that's what it really comes down to, how they were reared in life with racism. So if you get okay. a police officer or a person that was there and racism becomes the, the thing of their life, it's still hard to see us as people. 
So that's interesting that it came, you know, we have consensus here is that it came from slavery. And so it's almost as if maybe it hasn't changed because of all the different, the reason why a lot of people are saying Black Lives Matter, and just to be clear for everybody that is watching, Black Lives Matter doesn't mean that the rest of the lives don't. It's just, it's about inclusion, it's about equality. And um, if the original intention of the police was stemmed from slavery, then it's kind of like we're just in its new form. So I wanna ask each of you this then. Let's fast forward to the current affairs right now. The fact of the matter is George Floyd's life was taken. It was murder. And I believe he's been charged now, the police officer has been now charged with second degree murder. I'm curious, I, wanna love, I would love to know your perspective. Do you believe, what sentence would you, if you were the judge, each of you, we all have a, you know, opinion, we all have a voice. If you were the judge and you could pass anything, any law that you would want, what sentence, what would you do with that police officer? What would you give him? Some people say the chair, some people say life, some people say first, second, what consequence would you give that police officer? I, I think you, I, I think there's a bigger issue, uh, uh, Chantel. And here it is. If you, there was an interview done with the militia guys that took over the Michigan State Capitol. And what happened was the reporter went around and asked each one of these guys certain questions. But one of the key questions was, are you a registered voter? To a man, they were registered voters. And now stick with me on this. They came back to Chicago. The same reporter went to another march, and I won't call the name of the group, and asked them, were they registered voters? I don't believe in voting. Now, move that to today. You cannot complain of what goes on in the community if you're not willing to stand guard at the gate. And let me tell you what I mean by that. That judge gets there. You can't complain about what they didn't do because guess what? That judge is elected. You can't sit on that jury if you're not a registered voter. So don't come in here complaining when you are part of a bigger part of this problem when people died for you to have those rights and you abuse them by not even recognizing them. And yes. I, I'm, I'm sorry. That was my No, reason. you know what? So, yeah, we didn't get to the question, but we did get to a really interesting uh, comment mm -hmm. here. And I, and I honor that because, um, you know, voting, it, it's such a thing. It's almost like people are rallying and forcing and, and, and encouraging and motivating. And I use all those words because I'm sure all of them has happened in order for people to vote. So, so, so we're going to get back to the voting question because that's another topic that we'll introduce after. So just getting back to the original question, Mr. Mosley, if you were that judge, so let's say they, everyone, the people voted you in, what would you, what would you sentence that gentleman who, um, the police officer that took George Floyd's life? Well, I, I, again, I think the, you're missing some other issues. And the first issue is what's put in front of the court. Remember, courts will only answer the questions that you put in front of them. They don't have the latitude. No court will answer anything of a, a latitude nature or something that's not in front. So if the state's attorney or the district attorney only puts in front of you certain charges, then they're, not gonna, they're only going to answer that charge. For instance, do I think the better question would be, what should have been the appropriate charge for those guys? Second degree, if you read the second degree statute in Minnesota, in first degree, he should have been charged with first degree. I had this argument with some other people because part of first degree says that you have to show intention and premeditation. Well, the fact that you sat on his neck for 10 seconds shows intention. Yes. It also says in the statute of malice. Well, malice is proven by the fact that you did what you did. Now, again, if you read the other statutes in Minnesota, those guys, other guys are going to be charged because in their general orders, it says that you have a duty. If the other officer is acting out of sorts, you have a duty to interject. It's in their orders. They didn't do it. It's right on their front page. Everything is right there. But if the district attorney doesn't ask for those charges, again, what is the district attorney? Elected. So if your district attorney isn't doing what they're supposed to do, it's on you again. See, everything goes back to the very first issue. Are you a voter? And I'm sorry, I hit, didn't mean to hijack it, but. 
No, uh, we see your passion. No, and, and thank you for that perspective. It, it's 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 clear. So with Sophia, can you share your perspective? I know, um, and now Mr. Mosley has a, a, an in-depth police background and knows the details, and not everybody does. So it's good to get your perspective as well. Um, what what would you like to see? Would you, if you know the first, second, and third degree murders, if you know those type of charges, you know what charges would you? want to see and as a just from a justice perspective what do you think just in your own opinion um would be right for that police officer well i'm i'm very happy that mr mosley actually did the breakdown as to what first second and third degree uh murder is because a lot of people don't have that understanding um and i quite correctly the they should be charged with first degree <laughs> he should be charged with first degree murder because that is what it is there was intent um in terms of my perspective i've always had the perspective that um i didn't give that person life so i have no right to take away that person's life that's my perspective so i don't believe in the death penalty um, I, I also think that the reason why I have such a strong reaction to that is because I've known of so many black people who have been placed under the death penalty because it exists. So for me personally, I think that whatever the, the longest sentence is under first degree is what that person should, should experience. And, and that's the way how I look at it, right? Because if we're working within the law, that that's what it is. Now- It might just be life then, right? If that's- Yeah, so it, it may just be life, life, life in prison, right? Um, and however that may look, then that's where, what it is. I understand that there's different prisons, there's, you know, so on and so forth in terms of how that rolls out, that's how it rolls out. But if that is the highest sentence, then that's what it is. Awesome. Yeah, I totally, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would agree on that. So Lester, we're going to go to comments shortly. So if you can just start glancing and seeing some of the comments that we have online, I would love to, to, to touch upon that. Um, but let's now let's circle back to this whole voting thing, because I have heard a lot of different opinions on voting. I know people that say everyone should vote. I know people that say, ah, well, I'm, I'm, I don't know who to vote for, so I'm not going to vote. And I also know people who say it's almost like pick your poison. It's almost as if that there's corruption that happens in every party. So the people's perspective may be that, look, either party I'm going to vote for, they're going to say all the things that they want to say when they campaign. But it's a whole different story when they actually get into office. So who would I vote for? So Let's just take a stand on that because a lot of people are out there right now and they want to make a change. They want to help. They want us. I'm all about changing the system. To me, there's a break in the system. And I say justice is a mindset. So that's something that I'm going to preach till kingdom come. Mm -hmm. So how do we change the system is another question. So let's touch upon that. I know Lester um, will we'll get the comments right after this question. But let's move back to Mr. Mosley. What you're you're passionate about voting? Can you share a little bit to the people who think, well, what's the point? Or the people who think <laughs> I don't know who to vote for? Or the people who think there's corrupted anyway? Uh, Lester, did she give me a softball there? Uh, let yeah, me a baseball. Yeah, yeah my God. Ready to bring it home. <laughs> I think he lobbed one at me. But I, let me just say this: uh, I was in the room when Harold Washington uh, decided to run for office. Well, run for mayor. I was also on the job the night he got elected. And where I was stationed at the time, I was on the north side station. I was one of I was the only black guy on afternoons. And we had one of our sergeants get on the radio. I don't know if I can say this on this, but uh, he said some very derogatory things. Um, also in my station, in most police stations, they used to have the 10 most wanted in the uh, on the walls. Well, in this station, they had all the most wanted. One On one side, he had a little white button. On the other side, he had Harold Washington for mayor. Now, let me tell you what those things meant. Also in this station, they had, if you've never seen our Chicago police patch, it has the seal of Chicago, got some other, you know, some commerce and all that. Someone had designed a new patch for Chicago police. It said Chicago police. It had big red lips, crossed chicken bones, and a slave ship. 
Uh, so now let me tell you what the little white emblem stood for. On election day, <clears throat> the officers were walking around with white buttons. And I'm new to the game. I'm new. I'm the only guy, you know, I'm running around. I, I had an S on my chest. I was the greatest policeman I knew next to Lester. And mm -hmm. uh, so I finally asked one guy, I said, well, you know, I want to be part of the club. What is the white button? The guy said, you know, Joe, we like you. And I should have known then something was wrong. But I didn't. He says, what stands for white power? I'm thinking, wait a minute, but we're all blue here. So that was my first taste of reality. But it, when the guy came over the air after Harold was officially uh, uh, elected, I knew I had to leave that station because they were writing things on my locker. Uh, the N-word, go home. And these were other, no, other body, no other person could get into the locker room but other policemen. Now, here's the real question. Who do you tell? You can't go to, at that time, you couldn't go to internal affairs. You really, well, that's another story. You can't go to internal affairs because that's they're all their buddies. But let me go back to a, word, a question you raised. Uh, uh, Lester, I'm sure he's uh, put you up in this, but uh, we know some people that have been in elective office. Uh, we've been around a few. And had it not been for Harold, uh, Carol Mosley Braun, you wouldn't have Barack Obama. You wouldn't have Camilla Harris. Um, but let me take it back even further. If it hadn't been for King, you wouldn't have none of them. Mm -hmm. exactly. So the, again, we go back to a very base point. Voting is the key. You asked about this, the judge in the uh, in Minnesota. But again, how does he get there? How does the DA get there? The other thing you got to remember is each one of those charges carries a different sentence. So for first-degree murder, it could be 25 to life. Uh, Second-degree, less than that. But one of the things that Ms. Sophia said that I have to say something to and I have to address it was the death penalty because it is unevenly applied. Mm -hmm. Here's the problem. I used to be a big death penalty supporter. I mean, I, Lester, tell you, I've been in two shootouts, and I was not happy after the second one. Mm -hmm. I will tell you this. If you get it wrong one time, that's one time too many. Mm -hmm. And there in lies the problem. Are mm -hmm. there? I mean, if you listen to Richard Pryor when he did, he filmed a, uh, the movie, uh, I think it was Scare Straight or whatever it was, and yeah. he went to Rawway Prison, and they asked him, said, well, Richard, what do you think about the prison? He said, some of those guys need to be there. You know, so are there people that are not going to conform? You look at Charles Manson. Did, should Manson have stuck, stuck around? Eh. Did he commit the murders? Yes. But that's the case of Charles Manson. Did they get it wrong in the United States a lot of times? It's being proven that they got it wrong a whole bunch of times. The first, our first black kid uh, uh, electrocuted was 14 years of age in Georgia. Wrong. So, again, if they get it wrong one time, then the system needs to be uh, fixed. Purpose. Yeah, that's so true. Um, and, and thank you for that. And, and Safaya, what's your quick stand before Lester shares the comments? What's your stand on voting? Oh, <laughs> I'm right there with Mr. Mosley. It is so important because especially, especially for us, <laughs> because okay. we're always complaining about how something does not work, but you need to be a part of the solution. And being part of the solution is being a registered voter and voting, right. <laughs> not having the power to vote and you still don't vote. So I, I think that you did sum it up right where um, some people are just like, pick your po poison. And then some people are like, you know, I'm not going to vote because I don't know who to vote. Then get informed, <laughs> get informed and make a decision that that is not an option. That is, it's not an option for you to use that I'm not gonna vote because I don't know. You, you have a responsibility. I think that people take voting for granted until it hits home, you know? So until services are lost, until healthcare is affected, until uh, a bill affects how you work, until, you know what I mean? It's, it's right. not until it hits home, and then that's when you start to make a lot of noise about how the system is wrong. But then you did not contribute 
to how the system came, how the system can, how the system can change. So if I can say this, what I, what I heard was a lot of conversation lately about um, everything that's happening, everything that's happening with the protesting and um, which is necessary. But a lot of people are saying, but do, are you guys realizing that while the protesting are happening and we're so focused on the protesting that are people realizing that a lot of bills are being passed with no one there to stop the bills? Are, are we realizing that a lot of things are happening because we're being distracted on one side and not paying attention to the other side? Yeah. But we also have to be very careful of being tunnel vision and not paying attention to the entire system and how it impacts us. Point well made as well on both sides. Thank you both for your input on that. Um, Lester, let's move to Lester, Mr. Lester Bailey, sharing um, any online comments that you see. I see some on my side as well. Um, and Matthew, if you see any comments, this is the time we're going to just chime in. And thank you each and every one of you for watching. It's the Wake Up and Live show. We will be here every weekday from 4 p.m. or 7 p.m. 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time, bringing you different guests, different topics. Everybody has a voice. It's here to share. So let's start with Mr. Mr. Bailey. Do you see any comments that uh, we would like to talk about and, and reach out yes, to but our I want viewers? To, uh, yes, but I want to answer the question about voting. From a kid, you were voted to be <laughs> He's like, wait, wait. <laughs> oh, I got to say this. I have to. From a child, from your childhood, Please you were voted to be on a team or not to be on a team. Ah. Everybody, voting is one of the most important parts. Every dollar that is spent in this country is voted upon. Every dollar. They talk about the money in this country and what needs this country. There was a vote. People that you put in office get to vote where your money goes. It's just not just the laws because people get so confused about the laws. Everything that you do in this country, if you own stock, they, vote, they give you a yearly chance to vote. If you want to turn around and find out how many years you want to stay in jail, it is voted upon. Everything is voted upon. So that's my that's my thing on voting. Vote if you think it's necessary. Okay, sure. now we had a comment by Brooke Chambers that says the answer to the specific question about the charge being brought against the officer is known as the law. It's known as the law, and everybody has to understand the law is done on purpose. You also had another comment from in Cunningham. I think it's time for the Constitution to be reviewed and amended. It's been done several times, but are we included is another question. Uh, Lastly, uh, Dean says, what about the training time required to become a police officer? Why is it such a short amount of time? And I believe only uh, six to nine months to become a police officer. For example, it takes years to, for someone to be in the trades to be qualified as a carpenter. There's an apprentice skill. A plan is required to become qualified. Good point. So I like Ian and um, Dean's comment. Let's start with the last one. What do you? What are your thoughts on that? Is it six to nine months to become a police officer? Yes. In answer to that question, by the time they can train police to do the many jobs police officers do, people just think that as a police officer, you only handle law. That is far from it. You deal with people who have mental issues. You deal with homeless people. You deal with everyday people that are there. There's not enough time to train you in all of the different things. Even though police have ongoing training that they want to take out of this country right now, but you cannot, six to nine months uh, sitting in a classroom is one thing. It's a whole different training when you go out to the streets. I'm seeing Come some angry faces from the Facebook feed. You know, I'm assuming that people are saying that that's not enough time because let's just let's just say I'm a racist. I am prejudiced against. I'm a white man and prejudiced against black black men because that's the topic of the society right now. Mm -hmm. I don't like them for whatever reason. I decide I can invest six months, and we can agree six months goes like this. 
because guess what? We're already in the sixth month of 2020. Can you believe that? We have half of the year already done. Some of us still remember celebrating the, the, the entrance of 2020. So six months goes by fast. So I could be a racist white male and I say, I'm going to join the police force because what it does, it gives me a gun and it gives me authority. And I can take my, 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 I don't know what's the right word, to take my aggression or my hate or my whatever it is that I feel for that race, it could be fear. Because I'm going to introduce this and we're going to spend a little time because I have to ask, why? what is it with black men that has these people targeting them so much? What are they fearful of? What is it with black men that you're feeling that you need to take them out, that you need to stick your knee on his neck until he stops moving? But the fact that as a police officer or as a, excuse me, as a, a gentleman, white, black, Asian, whatever, if I dislike somebody in six months, I get such authority that I can take somebody's life and potentially get off and to the point where people have to flood the streets and say, that's not right. What are you, what's your perspective on that? Because for me, the authority given mm. to somebody that only invests six months Somebody chime in here, please. Let me know what are your thoughts. If you can elect a president of the United States by vote, and that takes less than two minutes, why would you get on a police officer who would do something for six to nine months and have ongoing training? See, when you're going back to voting, mm -hmm. voting is that, that number one thing. There is nothing that they can do about. You have more racists in office, in elected office. Pardon me? But we don't vote for police officers. Uh, they in just vote. In many ways, you do. They just don't tell you how it's done. But the training, okay. the training of that was voted upon. How long it would actually take? You can't beat somebody who's been a racist all their lives, and all of a sudden you want them to change in a month or two months or six months, even a year. People will mask who they are, mm -hmm. and racist people who who are out there who mask themselves. And I don't mean races just in, in whites. I do mean from all races who are racist. And it does. it's gonna take a long time before you find out with somebody because I can tell you the lie every day of the week. Some people actually believe the lie that they are not racist. I have a black friend. I'm not racist because I have a black friend. I'm not racist because I have a Asian friend. People yeah, don't really quick disclaimer for everybody watching. If somebody says, oh, if you turn around and say to somebody, oh, I'm not a racist because I know a black person or I have a black friend that Lester's talking about right now. The fact that you can quantify it is a problem. Yes. I saw yeah. another gentleman, he's a white man, and he has a lot of black friends. And he says, I have so many, they're my blood. We're blood brothers. I have so many brothers and sisters that are black. I'm going on the street fighting for them. And he's from Italy. So that's a totally different conversation. So mm. that's what that means. When you say, oh, I have a white friend, or if you think that there is somebody, well, you're not like the rest of the black folks. You're the acceptable oh. one. Ooh. That's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so evaluate yourself on that. I'm just, we said we're going to keep it real, right? <laughs> somebody, I've heard that. I've been in circles out. where I'm the, the only person that looks like me. I've been in boardrooms and retreats and all that sort of stuff. And I've heard comments like, well, you're not like the others. Yes. Different conversation, different okay. day. You, you know, and, uh, so that's a whole other topic. We do have a three minutes left. Where we're going till five today or till eight today, um, just because we 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 have such a great conversation. I'm seeing a lot of hearts and and and, and thumbs up. Thank you guys. So, what I would say, just to close that conversation that Dean really brought up, um, what I would say is. What would the possibility be to actually have a, a, maybe it's the screening, that's where I'm itching at, maybe it's the screening to be a police officer, because literally, as you both know, and as we can attest to, police officers have a certain level of power and authority that the average civilian doesn't have a right to combat. Because when I thought about George Floyd, in my head, he instantly, I said, what about the bystanders? Why wouldn't you jump in? Because that's what I would want to do. Because they got shot. Now it's like interfering, right? <laughs> well, uh, again, if you read Minnesota law, um, they have provisions in their general orders which dictated that their officers should have done a better job. 
playing. Um, but more importantly, uh, let's get back to this whole idea of screening. I will tell you this. Any operation, any organization, its titular head dictates its movements. So if you, if the, you know, the, the old adage is that a fish rots from the head down. So if you got bad leadership, you got a bad organization. Everything starts at the top and it works its way down. If you want people that are going to do the right thing, then you have to have people that are doing that. For instance, let me just say this and I'll get out your way. The, the, the federal government of police task force and all the F, F, uh, FBI, DOJ operate under this thing called candor. It's their ethical issues. You can be fired for lack of candor. The problem is that most of these police organizations don't have an ethics, uh, um, an ethics defined part of their contract, if that makes sense. And I think that's what you're going to see happening moving forward with all police departments going forward into this new policing. There will be some type of ethical uh, me uh, uh, mechanism built in to any and all contracts, and there should be. Mm -hmm. But if the feds can do it, why aren't local police departments doing it? Right. Mm -hmm. Point well made. Point well made. Listen, I think there's so much that we can unpack here. And I just think that um, I'm thank you for everybody that listened, that is listening on the replay. Or if you're watching here with us live, we feel your presence. We thank you. Thank you for the hearts and the loves and the likes. Um, we will be here every weekday nine at, at um, 4.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, just unpacking these conversations. So I want to give a big thank you to everybody who contributed today, whether you are watching, you commented, you liked, to, and all right to our special guest here today, Mr. Joseph Mosley and Sophia Bailey, my co-host, Mr. Lester Bailey as well. We got two Baileys there. Sophia <laughs> Bailey. <laughs> you know me. I got you. I know. So, uh, <laughs> apologies. So thank you guys so much. So let's leave on a positive note. Yes. Let's leave on an empowering note. So we unpacked today a little bit about voting, about the police, about screening for the police, the origin of police. Um, what can you guys say that may be a perspective of encouragement for those who are watching, given the times? So let's start with Ms. Safaya. Please share uh, your empowering perspective to the audience uh, to, to leave them off with today. We are all we're, we we are all people. We are all people. We are dealing with people. And please keep in mind that one does not represent all. Really judge people based on their character and how they are engaging you and not evaluate the whole based on the one. And when I say the one, I know it's not just the one, but you know what I mean. <laughs> mm -hmm. Good point, good point. Thank you for that. How about you, Mr. Mosley? Well, I would say this. We have to value ourselves before we can value anyone else. Um, but I will tell you this, you all count, you all matter, but your votes count more than just words and inactions because deeds without action is just that. And we've got to get past that. Absolutely, absolutely. Mr. Bailey, how about yourself? Stop talking to talk, start walking the walk. Your action proves what you really believe in. If you don't want it to happen, vote. If you're gonna be out here on these streets, put up some signs, black matters, vote. Not just the lives, black lives always matter. Black, black votes count too. Whoever you are, carry a sign and state that you vote. Bring someone to the poll with you. There's no, it makes no sense that only 13% of this whole world goes and votes. Only 13% of the people who actually vote, who can vote, actually go out and vote. So don't tell me anymore that you dislike anything if you're not going to take the time out of your life, that it takes five minutes out of your life to go and vote. Your vote counts. 
And that's my perspective. I love it. Well, thank you to each of you for being here today. I appreciate your perspective. I appreciate your, your background and your knowledge. And I pray that it has impressed upon others to Mr. Lester Bailey says on his show, your health is your wealth every morning. It's time to get off your assets and go to the polls and because that's one of the ways that you can contribute. So a lot of people ask, how, what can I do? And walking up and down the street is a statement and voting is, is, is an even bolder one because it can actually move things. So thank you guys so much for watching today's very first episode of the Wake Up and Live show with the theme, the power of perspective. And I look forward to seeing you here tomorrow at the same time, same place, where we continue to unpack people's voices and perspective during these times. If anything today has shifted you and you want to really learn how to overcome any challenges, whether it be in the mind or in life, you are welcome to join our mind transformation session that happens in the next 30 minutes at 5.30 Pacific time and 8.30 Eastern time where we will unpack it further. Until then, have a beautiful, blessed evening. Stay empowered, stay positive. And today's theme is go out and vote. Thank you so much for joining and we'll see you tomorrow. Take care, everyone. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure.